Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. You know, they've come from this situation, this this war, this conflict, where, frankly, we've seen the worst of humanity, right? Um, Violence, exploitation, and so on. And so I think it would be really easy for them to sink into despair. But what they actually saw when they had people coming alongside them, strangers that they didn't know, providing the things that they needed to survive, they could see the good in people as well. And I think that's what gave them hope, too. And, you know, it, it helps them be resilient. The more that we can come alongside people uh, and nurture that hope wherever we can, I think is really, really is, is critical. It's been over a month since the war in Ukraine started. Millions of people have left the country with more people fleeing on a daily basis. One of the organizations that is helping those who are seeking safety is World Vision. We're joined today by Michael Messenger. He's the president and CEO of World Vision Canada. Today on Connections, he's going to share with us a little bit about what they are doing in Ukraine. He's also going to share how we as Canadians can help those suffering in Ukraine. We're joined today by Michael Messenger. He's the president and CEO of World Vision Canada. The invasion of Russia and Ukraine, it's been over a month since that has happened. Tell us a little bit about what World Vision has been doing for those in Ukraine. Well, right from the moment that the conflict started about just over a month ago, World Vision has been on the ground assisting with the flow of refugees across the border into neighboring countries. Primarily, our work has been in Romania. World Vision's had a presence in Eastern Europe and world in Romania for many years. And so we are among the first organizations right on the, on the ground at the border, welcoming people from Ukraine who are fleeing the conflict. Tell us a little bit about why it's so important to get there and to get there right away. Well, I think part of it has to be if we put ourselves in the shoes of uh, parents, by the way, most of these refugees are are mothers with children. Um, How bad must it be? How challenging and difficult the circumstances must it be for us to to scoop up our kids with just basically the clothes on our back, just a a few items and go into the unknown, into into destination that's unclear just for the sake of security of our children. So because of that, People, the kids and the families are crossing the border. They're tired. They have seen incredible hardship along the way. And so World Vision's first response is critical to help them with their basic needs, things that they need to survive. So that may be a, a warm place to stay, uh, food, clothing, uh, for sh- you know, short-term accommodation. Critical as well, though, is really what we think of as and call psychological first aid. Uh, kids mm. in particular have been really traumatized by what they've seen and what they've experienced and add to that. Many of them have had to leave their families behind their, their father or uh, older brother. And so coming alongside kids to help them begin to, to process their feelings and emotions are really, is really critical and it helps mitigate the you know, concerns later on and, and actually help them be a bit more resilient in the face of, you know, of this unbelievable suffering and loss. Yeah, it's it's one thing for us to see the pictures on the news, right, and the video and and stuff, and we we think we know, but we really can't understand what these families are going through. And like you said, it's millions of people fleeing right now. It really must be traumatizing for them. Yeah, it, it is. It is, Mike. And you know, it, when we step back and think about the this, this, the numbers, I mean, more than four million people have fled Ukraine now. Uh, there are millions more at risk in Ukraine or people on the move or internally displaced people who have, you know, are now lacking basic services. 
um, into Romania, where I was. I, I recently just came back from the Romania-Ukraine border, where I was supporting our team there. And you know, when I left, uh, already 500,000 people had crossed just at that border area uh, into Romania from Ukraine. And that doesn't include Poland or Moldova or some of these other places. And so the scale is huge. But one of the things that we always remember at World Vision is that behind those big numbers, every number is a story. It's a family. It's, uh, you know, these, these are, these are our mothers and brothers and sisters and, and, and children who now are facing uncertainty like they've never experienced before. Um, one of the things that I had a, a chance to do when I was there was to talk to a number of the families at the border and then later in, in some of the temporary accommodations. Uh, World Vision, as part of that psychological first aid I mentioned, has set up some safe areas for kids to play in the middle of this chaos. It's really critical. It's staffed by psychologists and, and social workers who can come alongside these kids. But you know, in a quiet moment, kind of talking to, to families, I, I think probably one of the the most meaningful uh, conversations that I had was with um, a, a mother named Ina. She had three young children. She'd fled her home in Odessa. Um, and she was traveling with her little ki- little children. Uh, Maxim was 11 months old. Alla was three years old. And, and Maria, uh, Maria was, was five years old. What was interesting is was that was the day. It was actually the local Mother's Day in that part of the world, International Women's Day, they treat it kind of like Mother's Day. And this day that normally makes her feel good was a day when she was experiencing loss. And I was playing with little Maria, just playing with Play-Doh. She was watching Maria laugh and play for the first time in several days. And I could tell that she was quite moved to be able to, to see that because she didn't know where she would be going next. Uh, you know, they had made it across the border into Romania They'd left their husband behind, um, and and yet she wasn't sure what 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 to come. But just for that moment, we could we could connect, and she could tell tell us her story, and we could play with her daughter. But unfortunately, there are, are millions more stories just like that one, and it's really heartbreaking. Um, and you mentioned a lot of these people, like they have to leave their husbands behind or older sons and things like that. Uh, they're not allowed to leave, so they can serve in the military. Is what's the danger for these families then? Like, is there risks of uh, being taken advantage of, being exploited for these women and children, things like that? Absolutely, there is, Mike. And that's actually one of the the growing concerns that we have. So so we know from other refugee settings around the world, and unfortunately, the situation in Ukraine and neighboring countries is not the only one in the world at the moment, that people who are being displaced, forcibly displaced, either refugees or in, inside their own country, are o- often the most vulnerable and most at risk of exploitation, issues of, of child protection, even human trafficking. And we're beginning to see that already in this area. We're particularly concerned about children who are traveling unaccompanied, you know, where their parents have, have you know, desperately sought to keep them safe, but they couldn't come with them. And so kids have traveled. There have been 500 kids that had crossed into Romania unaccompanied. So we have to make sure that we do everything we can to provide protection for these kids and be on the lookout for human traffickers. But even families with at least one parent, yeah, you're at risk because, you know, if, especially if you've got nowhere to go, you maybe don't have any resources, uh, a well-meaning person comes alongside and, and offers you shelter or a job or something. If you don't know who they are, if you can't trust them, 
there's actually a risk that that these people will be taken advantage of, uh, either in some form of forced labor or even sexual exploitation. So that's a really deep concern anytime there's a refugee flow, but particularly when something is happening so quickly like we're seeing right now. Here we are in Canada, right? And we're so far removed from this. What are the practical things that we can be doing as individuals uh, right now here in Canada? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, uh, Mike, is to kind of see what, what it would feel like if we put ourselves in the shoes of these families and realize that we're, you know, their experience is really not that different from ours in the sense of they love their kids. They've gone from a, you know, they're in a secure, safe environment. And now imagine what it would be like for all of us if, if we had to just be thrust into the unknown, leaving everything that we kind of value behind. So, I mean, I, I always say the first thing is join with us in calling for peace and conflict and praying for peace. We know that unless the conflict ends, you know, there's not going to be anywhere for these refugees to go back to. Everyone I spoke to, by the way, wants to go home. They all want to go home to their communities. But the devastation that we're seeing is just deeply, deeply concerning. So the first is to pray for peace. But the other super practical thing to do is help us help families like this. Uh, Make a donation to an organization that's on the ground, that knows how to navigate the the challenging response that's needed. Uh, World Vision is on the ground. We are in the neighboring countries of Romania, Moldova, and Georgia, and actually in Ukraine as well, trying to get desperately needed supplies to help families survive now, but also consider the longer-term implications. So that's the very best thing that Canadians can do. World Vision, church organizations, just an organization that's on the ground, that has expertise, that unfortunately the needs of these refugee families are just way greater than the resources that we've got available to us. I want to backtrack a little bit back to when you were mentioning when you were out there, it was obviously near the start. What was that like for you to experience that? You've seen a lot, but what was it like to be there and and to see that, to see those kids um, playing in in a war-torn country and, you know, they are so innocent and so sweet and they don't know what's going on. What was that like for you to experience that? Yeah, it's it's actually really tough, Colleen. And, you know, I've been to a lot of humanitarian disaster zones around the world, but this one felt, uh, you know, particularly poignant, I think. I'm a I'm a father myself. My kids are are, are nearly grown, but but still I, I think about the uh, the anguish that it must be for families to be separated, for kids to to stay, you know, have to leave their 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 fathers behind, for for mothers trying to navigate uh, this this new environment. I talked to to one boy who had a, he had a cap that his father had given him and he held that. It was one of the precious things that he brought with him to remind him of, of his dad. And, you know, you, you sit down and, and uh, the, the stories that are shared are heartbreaking. Um, and the, you know, the challenge I think for us, particularly as, as Christians is, we are called to respond. I mean, we want to be Jesus' hands and feet in a, in a place like this, the difficult context. And we have to, even like we see in the Psalms, take a few minutes to lament. We don't want to, we don't want to gloss over the suffering that people have and just talk about big you know, response plans and these kinds of things. These are stories. And one of the things that was so honoring for me was that people invited us into those stories, even in this moment of pain. They say, please let us share what's going on so that you, we can help uh, tell the you know let the world know what's going on that's both a precious gift but it's a, it's kind of a burden as well it feels you know it's it's tough to navigate that my 
my own personal way of thinking about this is I pray in these situations. And I did have a chance to pray with a number of the, the refugee families who were from, from a Christian background as well, is to not let that, those feelings of, of grief or pain or even anger kind of overwhelm us, but to kind of spur us on to action, to do what we can to, to stand up, call for peace, pray for peace, but also renew our commitment to, to helping people. So I knew that I knew that every story that I gathered, every time I had a chance to talk to others, particularly Canadians, that I could share the needs, but also what the opportunities we could have to, to have an impact to improve the lives of these families at such a critical time. What does the kingdom of heaven look like in the midst of something like this? Or what does the good news of Jesus look like in the midst of something like this? Oh, Mike, that is a, that is a great question. You know, it's um, when I think about the kingdom of heaven, I, you know, one of the ways that, that I kind of navigate this personally through my own faith journey is that I, I hold out the hope, you know, that the kingdom is already here. I mean, we, I, one of the passages that I love is from Isaiah 65, where, where the prophet says, behold, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. And he goes on to list, you know, some of the characteristics of that, you know, things like where children don't die, people live out their full life, they have, they've got shelter and, and, you know, meaningful meaningful livelihoods uh, it's really painting a picture of this this kingdom that is showing where people are in good relationship with each other with with their environment and of course with god i hold out to that you know that 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 future that kingdom is is both now and not yet you know and and i kind of hold on to the values of that kingdom and try to live them out today even when that seems far away um so I think that's the only thing that we can do. And that's, that's, I think, the hope that we have as Christians in moments of brokenness like this, that we believe there's a bigger story that is unfolding. We've got to believe that, hold on to that. But in the meantime, do everything we can to try to engage with the current situation, come alongside people so that they can experience that, you know, kingdom today, not just in, in some, some future. At, yeah. at World Vision, Mike, our, our vision is... We say that our, our vision for every child, life in all its fullness, our prayer for every heart, the will to make it so. And that idea of life in all its fullness comes from Jesus' words in John 10, 10. He said, I've come to give you life, life to the full. And I believe that is the case for families, children, no matter where they are in the world. And that includes children and families who are fleeing the conflict. So what does it mean for us to try to hold out that hope of a full life? Um, try to live that future kingdom now. And it's, it's tricky, but, but I think, you know, by every expression that we have, when we think about even the, the way that Jesus talks about serving the least of these in Matthew 25, he says, you know, I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. Um, and, and there's something powerful about that, that in that act of welcoming strangers as they cross the border, um, giving them kind of support and hope, food, clean water, that we're actually doing that as an expression of our Christian faith and believing that, that Jesus is in it and that that, that that future kingdom, you know, we can bring glimpses of that into, into the current brokenness, current reality. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It. You mentioned hope a couple of times in there. And from all the people that we've been interviewing, whether it's someone who's still living in Ukraine or someone helping out in Ukraine, one thing that we continually hear is that people of Ukraine are filled with hope. They are these unbelievable people that even though all of this is going on around them, there is 
this hope. Is that what you're hearing as well from your people that you still have out in Ukraine? Yeah, I, I, I do think that. I think that that hope feels pretty um, um, far off for some in those moments of deep pain, you know, when the people have crossed the border. I, I had a chance, though, to speak to some of the families who'd been there a little bit longer. They found hope in where, where they saw the, you know, they, they've come from this situation, this, this war, this conflict, where, frankly, we've seen the worst of humanity, right? Um, violence, exploitation, and so on. And so I think it would be really easy for them to sink into despair. But what they actually saw when they had people coming alongside them, strangers that they didn't know, providing the things that they needed to survive, they could see the good in people as well. And I think that's what gave them hope too. And, you know, it it helps them be resilient. The more that we can come alongside people uh, and nurture that hope wherever we can, I think is really, really is, is critical. But you're right. I mean, people do, they still hold on to this hope. And at least for the moment, they also have hope that they can return home soon. I'm a little, I have to tell you that as the conflict goes on, I am deeply worried that the longer it ha- you know, goes on, the, the less likely that some of these families will be able to return. But for the moment, we want to do all we can to nurture that hope, to provide that support and, and actually just show the people who are affected that there are caring people out there uh, many of them, people of, of faith who who are expressing this just out of love and compassion and to remind them that, the, you know, that, that there are people caring in the world that, that want to demonstrate God's love to them, even in the midst of this really challenging context. What are the plans for World Vision moving forward as this continues? Well, we are rapidly scaling up our response, actually. What, what began by just kind of handout basic needs at the border is now really uh, becoming a much more multi-country, deeper level response. So initially it was just being supported by World Vision Romania and our teams in the area. We've now provided our international staff who are experts in humanitarian long-term responses like this or on, on the ground. So we are continuing to scale up our work, working with refugees in Moldova and Romania actually in Georgia, and we're looking at other partners as well. So that's going to be responding not only to the immediate needs, but longer term. So how can we come alongside uh, other partners to provide the the kind of psychological support that's needed, longer term accommodation, which is more expensive and takes more time, supporting shelters and so on. That's going to be really critical. But we're also ramping up our work into Ukraine where we're working directly and with partners. And that's going to be an area that we're going to have to, we are, we are expanding right now. So we're at a pivot point in our response, really deepening um, being, with, with greater impact, ensuring that we're working alongside other partners. So there's not duplication of efforts, uh, but it's a really critical time as this conflict continues. You mentioned earlier, Michael, how important first and foremost prayer actually is. One of the great things that World Vision is doing is, on April 9th, World Vision is spearheading a national night of prayer and worship. It's called One Night for Ukraine. Uh, you can find out details, worldvision.ca slash one night. I know it takes place in Winnipeg, but it's being broadcast live online across the nation. Anybody from northern Alberta to southern Ontario can attend and join with us in worship. And I think a great opportunity to like get some friends together and watch it at your homes and things like that. And and join together in prayer across the nation. Yeah, it's going to be a real, you know, I think it's going to be a powerful gathering of Christians from across the country, a chance for us to lift our voices together, 
to pray for peace, for a resolution for the conflict and restoration for Ukraine, and of course, all those lives that I've described that have been impacted. Yeah, we're, we're partnering with Bethel Community Church in Winnipeg, but it's going to be uh, live on, uh, online through a live stream link. Uh, we're going to have special worship from the One Worship Band and also uh, Jordan Jansen of the, the, the band The Color. Uh, we're going to be sharing some updates from, from the field as well, so we can be specific in our prayers. Um, but, you know, prayer is so critical. Uh, I, I believe that we really need to see a change in the heart of leaders and those who are, who are fighting as well as a softening of hearts of Canadians as we, as we seek to respond. So it's easy to register. It's just worldvision.ca slash one night. And it's going to be online. I, I hope that, that Christians from across the country will join us in prayer on this special night on April 9th. What's the best way for us to find out what World Vision is up to in general in Ukraine or other places in the world and stay up to date and uh, find out how we can be helping with you? Yeah, you know what? In this online uh, time, the very best and easiest way to see all of World Vision's work, including Ukraine, is just to go to our website, which is worldvision.ca. Particularly if you're interested in in Ukraine, you want to go directly there. It's worldvision.ca slash helpukraine. But all the links are there you want to learn more about how you can support our ongoing efforts to help children and families in need right now in Ukraine. Uh, information's there if you're interested in, in, in providing support to our programs that actually seek to, to, to fight conflict and to, to work with families around the world who are in similar situations because unfortunately this is only one of the, the humanitarian disasters unfolding in our world today. Worldvision.ca Thank you so much for making time for us today. We really appreciate it. Colleen and Mike, thanks so much for your support. I hope you'll join us in prayer as well for for the uh, family in Ukraine. Most definitely. And don't forget to take part in the National Prayer and Worship event that's taking place Saturday, April 9th at 7 p.m. Central Time. It is taking place in Winnipeg, but will be streamed across Canada. Thank you so much for joining us and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.